1: Hello, and welcome to Just the Truth podcast. I'm Jenna Ellis, and you know, it's been about two and a half weeks now since the podcast launch, and I have had so much fun having these conversations about the Constitution, our fundamental rights, uh, the biblical worldview, and all of the topics that we really need to continue to discuss as a society so that we can understand as human beings made in the image of God and as Americans that (laughs) live in a country that was founded on the recognition of God, our creator, giving us as individuals rights um, that our government is obligated to preserve and protect, that we have the opportunity to still freely discuss and debate not only ideas, but also recognize truth and this is just so much fun. So, um, so thanks so much for joining me, for making this a really successful podcast. Um, I am so excited to see how much it's grown even the last two and a half weeks. Um, and so today we are, of course, uh, going to cover the Colorado shooting and the Second Amendment debate. And I have to tell you, uh, first of all, of course, I'm from Colorado. Um, that's my hometown. Um, I grew up in Longmont, Colorado, which is actually in Boulder County. Um, it's not that far from Where uh, the shooting occurred yesterday, and so um, you know this this was very personal to me. I didn't know anyone there, Um, and my heart just goes out to the families um, of anyone affected by this. Uh, But it was very personal to me because um, that's my neighborhood. You know, that's that uh, when the Columbine um, shooting happened, I I clearly remember that. Um, You know, that was further uh, down south, of course, um, from me and where I grew up, but. You know these things that happen. Um, they are not just issues that we politicize. They are events in life that happen that uh, that truly affect us. And um, I think a lot of us, when talking about these things, can um, do one of a couple things. Either we can forget to um, take a moment and recognize that these are horrible, horrible tragedies that obviously can clearly uh, be prevented. Um, You know, this wasn't a freak accident. It was uh, someone who took a weapon and intentionally took the lives of others. And um, that's, it's always just terrible when anything bad happens, but especially when it's something that's with intent. Um, And I think we need to, uh, particularly as Christians, recognize that when we say the phrase "thoughts and prayers," um, that's not a trite phrase. It's not something that we just, as sort of a knee-jerk reaction, say. Um, basically, well, I'm so sorry, and um, you know, hey, this is you know, kind of out of out of my control to to help in any way. Um, for Christians, the phrase "thoughts and prayers." Um, is biblically oriented and it's founded in the truth of the biblical worldview, which is that we recognize that um, creation is fallen. The world around us clearly um, is marked by malevolence and by evil. Um, We don't live in a society, in a natural world around us where everything is perfect and everything is beautiful and lovely and um, morally correct. Um, But what The truth also is, is that we don't live in an amoral society, meaning that we don't understand that there is a measurable difference between right and wrong and good and evil. And we've talked a lot about that already on this podcast. Um, The measurable difference between right and wrong and good and evil um, is everything that happened yesterday. Um, No one from any side across the political spectrum is saying, I'm totally fine with what happened. Um, There's no moral judgment. Um, Of course, everyone's saying this is a heinous crime. It's reprehensible. It's evil. Um, All of those characterizations are absolutely truthfully correct. And notice how the left, the people who supposedly don't believe in God, who don't care about truth, it's just my truth versus your truth, they are making a moral judgment and a moral assessment about the inherent evil of what happened yesterday. And they do that because we as human beings know there is a difference between right and wrong and good and evil and that it's objective. It comes from a source outside of us. We didn't just collectively decide in Congress or in whatever government system uh, that any society decides to have that, oh, um, we're going to say that mass... Murder is wrong, just because we all collectively determined that that is not a moral good; it's a moral evil. Uh, well, no, <laughs> we all know that objectively, taking the life of another is wrong, and that comes from a biblical worldview. Because if you if you don't believe in a divine creator, then you have no basis to say that there is moral truth and you have no basis to say why human beings are not any different than animals and if we look at the animal kingdom as beautiful as it is um there are really uh, <laughs> really really traumatic things that happen in the animal kingdom um You know, you have the lions that attack and kill zebras. You have, you know, all of this um, in the animal kingdom that we don't characterize as murder. Well, why? Because that's how the animal kingdom works. But when a human takes another human's life, there's a moral judgment there um, that there isn't for for the animal kingdom. And even when an animal kills a human, um, we don't have the same moral judgment on the animal um we can certainly you know look at the circumstances around it why the animal did that all of those kinds of things but it's not um, we never put animals on trial for murder and people would laugh at that and think it's silly but there is a fundamental rationale behind that that we know that human beings are different we are um We are created in the image of God and having that imago Dei um, or the image of God within us as human beings, we know that we are separate and apart from the animal kingdom. And there is a heightened moral truth implicit in everything that we're describing. And so uh, when we say as Christians, you know, thoughts and prayers, um, and when we look at the judgment that everyone has as this is a moral evil, then we can truthfully say, not only, yes, we all recognize that this is a moral evil. And notice it's different than making a judgment based on our own collective interpretation of morality or our own collective determination. It's a recognition of pre-existing truth. And we can also then, through the biblical truthful worldview, say that we are so devastated for the families that are affected, and our prayer is always that the Lord would regenerate the hearts of man and would work his Holy Spirit in us so that we can continue to pursue righteousness rather than evil. Um, There is evil in the world, and we know from the account that is historical in Scripture in the book of Genesis that god created a perfect world and then sin came into the world and we now live in a fallen state of nature and a fallen state of man and only through acceptance of jesus christ and the recognition that he is god came in the form of a human being took all of our sin all of our evil all of this evil that's around us um, on himself and died when he had done nothing wrong, no sin, and then he conquered death and rose again, and he is divine and is currently, currently sitting at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And when we accept the truth of the gospel and we recognize that Jesus is Lord, then we can in not just in and of ourselves, but with the help of the Holy Spirit and of the Lord, recognize that we are fallen, we are inherently bad, and only through accepting and acknowledging Him as Lord and Savior can we then choose good and choose moral good. And to live our right, our lives being daily conformed to the image of Christ, which is perfect righteousness. And we will never achieve that perfectly here on earth um, until we are united with the Lord um, in eternity. But that's our daily prayer, is to be more conformed to the image of Christ and have a better life that we are daily choosing to not sin and daily choosing the righteousness of God and being more perfected in the image of Christ and that measurable difference between right and wrong. It's an objective good and objective righteousness that we're pursuing. And so when Christians say thoughts and prayers, it's not this trite phrase. It's saying we understand and recognize the truth of reality that the world is evil. There's evil out there. It's um, There are so many times that we can get discouraged. We can get Um, frustrated just you know overcome by um, just all of the evil that's around us that we all experience um, to definitely different levels but you know every day and our prayer is that um, everyone would be saved ultimately and come into that saving knowledge of recognizing the truth and recognizing Jesus Christ as Lord and um, and so within that, um, that should be something that we always think no matter what the tragedy is. Um, but then, of course, we know that the left and the right and everybody um, immediately jumps to the political debate. And I'm, I definitely do that, too. Um, immediately, you know, when I saw this, um, this whole thing happened, especially in the context of uh, the Senate hearing today, uh, you know that the left is going to use this as a very, very recent example of why the gun control debate to them means that every person in America needs to take the guilt, the shame, and the evil of that shooter yesterday and all other murderers who used uh, any form of firearm as their weapon of choice and make all of us collectively guilty for their evil that's what the gun control debate is actually all about it's presuming that you and i as reasonable gun owners as uh, responsible gun owners um as maybe somebody who doesn't even have a gun but you have the right to we are presumptively guilty of being likely to or possibly to go out and and, uh, murder or do something heinous with our firearms. And so therefore we have to prove to our government why we are going to be responsible for our firearm. So the gun control debate um, isn't really just about guns. It's about government control and it's about a presumption in the law that says everyone is guilty until they can overcome that presumption individually and show the government through background checks, through, um, you know, all sorts of of ways uh, that they will be responsible gun owners. And you should have to prove that. Well, that's not how our constitution works in this country. And this is all about the law. This is all about the rule of law in this country. um, Because we have our rights that are given by God, our creator, not our government. And it's the sole purpose of government to preserve and protect our rights. And so as we think about the gun control debate. We have to go back to what the Constitution says. And of course, everyone looks at the text of the Second Amendment. And I um, I really encourage you, if you haven't yet, um, listen to my podcast from yesterday talking about freedom of the press. Uh, we went into um, a, a really good discussion about um, the purpose of uh, the Bill of Rights and in that setting, um, the First Amendment, but the exact same premise is true for the gun control debate um, Because, and the Second Amendment. If we didn't have the Second Amendment textually in the Constitution, it wouldn't matter in terms of the government's obligation and their lack of power in the legislative branch federally to uh, enact any of these bills that they want to because no power is given to Congress to legislate on these issues they don't have control over that. They think they do because of the text of the Second Amendment, and that's totally warped. Um, You've heard me say before that the Bill of Rights in context is really a bill of protections. It's there to say, hey, Congress, just in case the founders weren't clear, these are the things that you can't infringe on. These are rights so fundamental to who we are as human beings made in the image of God, and self-preservation, self-protection is so essential to human life. Uh, we have to have the ability to protect ourselves and our families, and that includes the right to keep and bear arms. Um, so a lot of people will then say, "Well, you know, that was um, written in you know 1787, and you know, ratified, um, you know, in that same time frame, and they were only talking about muskets and antiquated weapons." Well, it's really funny to me um, that that they say that because um, I actually had someone yesterday. Um, tweet that at me and say um, as a reply and said, you know, oh, great. So you support the um, the right of people to own muskets. And I said, um, well, you know you clearly um have exercised your right to freedom of speech by sending me this tweet on parchment with uh, a quill pen you know like they had in 1787 i mean that's how ridiculously inconsistent the leftist liberals are because somehow even though the right to free speech freedom of association freedom of the press that um that concept and the protection changes in its application not its form and substance and not its principle but it changes in application as technology grows, as the world around us grows, then the, the type of application of the principle then changes. So this is very different, and I, I, and I want to make sure that you get this point that's so important is that the principle doesn't change. This isn't about a fluid constitution because that's their next argument. They'll say, oh, well, then you're for a fluid constitution where we can't rely on the text. It evolves and changes throughout history. Well, no. What hasn't changed at all is the fundamental God-given right to freedom of speech, freedom of association, freedom of the press, right to keep and bear arms, self-protection, all of those things as a principle. Those, those have never changed. Uh, those are things that are central aspects of our humanity and our God-given um, self-preservation-oriented, unalienable rights. Um, what changes is the nature of of the protection and the way that we exercise it. Um, so obviously through a podcast right now, this is very different than what the founders would have possibly anticipated in 1787, that we are speaking together about truth, um, you know, our first freedoms in the First Amendment, speech association, and free exercise of religion, um, and also freedom of the press, right? So all four of those are contained in what we're doing right now. I'm exercising those in a different manner than the founders did, but the fundamental principle and the obligation of government to protect those rights, that's what hasn't changed. And that's also true for the Second Amendment. The fundamental principle of self-preservation and the right for families and the individual and even um, you know the stranger, who, the Good Samaritan. You know we have the principle in law of the Good Samaritan um, who protects the stranger on on the street who's getting attacked. Um, all of the you know and, and the Sir Galahad uh, principle in law. Um, you know some those things haven't changed those protections, but the way that we exercise them and the way that we apply them does change as technology advances. And um, so the gun control bait, debate um, isn't really about guns. It's about the government trying to presume that we are collectively guilty and that we have to overcome the government's presumption about us individually and uh, and then we have to then gain their permission to exercise, our rights and liberties. That's completely, completely, and I hope you see this, completely inverted from what the Constitution and our Bill of Protections actually says. Um, so, I want to take a quick break here because um, they keep reminding me here at Just the Truth podcast that I have to take breaks. Um, I love just talking about all of these things and having this conversation with you, but we're going to take a quick break. Um, we're going to be right back about one other tweet that I got um, this morning that I saw on Twitter, which was just absolutely ridiculous. So, of course, I had to respond. We'll be right back here on Just the Truth. We are back with Just the Truth podcast. I'm Jenna Ellis and this tweet. Um, so we're talking about the Second Amendment in context of the Constitution and why the gun control debate isn't really about guns. It's all about government control and inverting the understanding of what our Bill of Protections actually does in the context of the Constitution. So, um, whoa, I just got the alert that Biden is now calling for a an assault weapons ban. See, this is this is what happens every single time one individual decides to um to go and commit a heinous offense rather than saying that one person is guilty of their act. We are now collectively we the government is now trying to collectively judge the entire population in America and put their guilt and their heinous act on all of us and presume that we are moments away from committing that action unless we show the government we are responsible citizens. Well, it doesn't work that way, Joe Biden. does not work that way, Democrats. We have freedom and liberties, and we have those freedom and liberties guaranteed to us by the Constitution, by recognition of truth, of where those rights come from. And we have those protections unless and until we choose we choose evil and we choose to commit an act that's against the rule of law and then only through due process and the government showing in a criminal context beyond any and all reasonable doubt that we are guilty of that offense, only then can our liberties be taken away. That is due process. And so any of these calls for gun control, assault ban weapons, any of these types of bills of even background checks the waiting periods to exercise right i mean are you kidding me no that is fundamentally against the the guaranteed protection of due process in the fourth and fifth amendments so not only are they violating our second amendment right they're also violating our fourth and fifth of um being guaranteed the right to due process so um so that's just, it's it's completely ridiculous, but they use these emotional arguments to then make it sound like we as conservatives are advocating for immorality, that we are saying isn't that funny because they're the ones that supposedly don't believe in, you know, objective truth. It's just my truth versus your truth. But they want to put up what's called a straw man argument. They want to tell us what our argument is and then say that's a bad argument and knock down our argument but that's not our argument so getting to this tweet um this guy brooklyn dad underscore defiant exclamation point don't know why he's titled that um but i've seen him tweet he's a you know he's a super leftist um <laughs> he even he even has hashtag feminist in there okay well you know thanks dude um but he posted and said the Second Amendment doesn't give you the right to go and murder a bunch of people for no reason. I'm so sick of that blankety-blank argument. Well, I responded. I said, literally, no one pro-Second Amendment is arguing that. But now do abortion rights. (laughs) So he's saying the Second Amendment doesn't give you the right to go and murder a bunch of people for no reason. Well, of course it doesn't. No one is arguing that. No one at all is saying that just because we have a protected right, that when someone goes and commits an evil, heinous offense, that they shouldn't be held accountable for their actions, and that through due process, we we as the government that is citizen-led can then take away their rights and liberties according to the legislative design for what the punishment and true justice is according to that particular offense. So obviously, for example, we're not going to impose the death penalty, um, you know, for someone who um, steals $5 from from a cashier, right? Um, The punishment has to fit the crime. And that was something else that our founders understood that prior societies had so infringed on was um, these these ridiculous punishments, um, and that was really what was born, the Eighth Amendment was born out of, um, against cruel and unusual punishment. Um, That's, of course, gotten so manipulated that Um, You know, anything that we just, you know, feel bad for poor little criminal, um, which apparently we're not even allowed to say criminal anymore. Ridiculous. Um, But poor little criminal, he actually has to suffer consequences. Now that becomes an argument against the Eighth Amendment. We'll have to do a whole discussion on that sometime because that's just absolutely against again, the protection in context of what the Eighth Amendment was designed to do. But, um, but a lot of lawyers misunderstand this. A lot of lawyers purposefully misunderstand this so that they can um, do the so-called best for their client, but it sets really bad precedent. You've heard that uh, phrase, bad facts make bad law. That's definitely true. Um, but going back to this Brooklyn dad, um, when he's saying the Second Amendment doesn't give you the right to go and murder a bunch of people for no reason, Well, again, nobody is arguing that. What we're saying is you can't, government, presume that I'm in that category as a gun owner, as someone who um, is, or even as as a knife owner, as a car owner, which has been used to commit heinous crimes, right? I mean, arguably, my car could do more damage than certain types of guns, right? Um, No one is arguing that anyone has a right to go and commit mass murder. That's insane. Um, but that's the straw man that they're trying to put up. And isn't it funny, this so-called hashtag feminist is all about so-called abortion rights to what? Literally the so-called right to go and murder a bunch of unborn babies for no reason. So his own argument, not only is a straw man of what we as conservatives are advocating for what the constitutional argument actually is, what the constitution really protects, but it's also a self-defeating argument because he's totally fine when it's unborn children, but he's, Trying to manipulate the narrative according to an emotional appeal, so he's got just a bunch of fallacies all laid in there. Um, but in in closing, kind of this part of our conversation about the gun control debate, um, the the key takeaway uh, takeaways here are that um, the Second Amendment preserves and protects our right to keep and bear arms, and that's not absolute, but. It does not come with a presumption that we collectively are all guilty and we have to prove to our government why we are fit citizens in order to be able to exercise that right. That's that's ridiculous. And so most, um, most liberals will try to invert that. They will also tell us, well, we care more about our guns than we do innocent lives. Totally not true. I am all for the death penalty when it warrants. I am all for true justice. I'm all for uh, punishment and prosecution of offenders who commit heinous crimes. But that's totally different than you and me who are law-abiding citizens who want to exercise our rights without the presumption that government is going to come and make us prove that we're fit citizens. So I wrote a piece um, actually a couple of years ago in The Federalist. But again, this is how our rights don't change. We can just apply the analysis to a, um, a new topic in the media. Um, a new event in the media, but this is called. If you want to go read it, it uh, was published in the Federalist, and you can just go and you know search for me by name and see all the articles that I've posted uh, there, and you know of course other sites. But this one is called. Um, it's from February twenty third of twenty eighteen, and the title is "The Gun Control Debate Isn't Really About Guns." It's about human rights. This isn't just about my gun. It's about every single individual's fundamental right to liberty. And you can guess, based on our conversation, where that article is going to go. Um, but I would encourage you share that piece. Uh, With liberal friends of yours, uh, with people who aren't quite sure, you know, maybe they're conservatives, but um, they're not quite sure how to advocate for Second Amendment protections, not Second Amendment rights, Second Amendment protections in the face of these liberal, um, ridiculous, emotional appeal sort of straw man arguments. Um, share this article, share this podcast, and uh, the purpose, I mean, a lot of people ask me as a constitutional law attorney, um, how, how do you apply the Constitution, all of these different things? And my answer is it's actually not that complicated when you understand the purpose Of the constitution and you understand that this is a limited government and these are protections for um for our fundamental rights then when you get an issue like gun control or um you know the the project veritas lawsuit against uh the new york times or you know any of these issues that we analyze on a day-to-day basis you have a foundation and you have an understanding of how the constitution applies and once you know where in the constitution Um, this is found or not found, then it becomes really easy to analyze it and it becomes very easy to analyze it consistently. And that's why we need to be constitutional conservatives. And regardless of who in what party is advocating for what policy position or premise or is doing what action, we need to go back to the Constitution and say, okay, who is trying to do it? Do they have the power given by the Constitution or on the state level by the state Constitution uh, to do what they're trying to do? And if so, then how do we analyze that from a truth-based policy position? Basically, is this a good thing? And then that's where, in terms of good policy, um, that's where we can have some differing opinion that's fine Um, as long as we are looking at the truth and we're looking at uh, morality and we're also looking at uh, fundamentally whether or not the government has in that particular agent or agency has the limited power to actually do what it's trying to do because you can dispel with most of these questions right off the bat not even getting into the should um, or the policy debate but just saying You know, sorry, maybe you think that's a good idea, but you can't do it. That's the truth for the gun control debate and this debate that they're having in the Senate today. The bottom line, I mean, I could go in in three minutes and say, you know, hey, guys, this has been a really interesting debate. But what you're trying to do, you have no power under the U.S. Constitution to do it, period. So, case closed. Let's all pack up and leave here. Um, And our Congress needs to be held accountable by our judicial branch to stay within the four corners of their limited powers. We as citizens need to demand that. We need to be talking about it more. And that starts with understanding the Constitution in context and advocating for, you guessed it, just the truth. We'll be right back.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
1: Welcome back to Just the Truth. I'm Jenna Ellis, and we are talking about the gun control debate in the context of the U.S. Constitution, in the context of our Bill of Protections, known as the Bill of Rights, and what this is really all about. And for the last segment, I want to uh, focus on this idea of so-called abortion rights and the context of gun control, because uh, like the tweet that uh, that Defiant Dad, or whatever his name is, um, tweeted earlier— that often gets misconstrued as well. Uh, when people are talking about uh, the gun control debate. Of course, you know, everything from the left comes back around to um either not seeing their own inconsistency about uh, their their arguments in terms of being pro-choice and uh, anti-life, but uh, either ignoring them altogether or being totally inconsistent. So we, of course, as conservatives, have to understand, uh, what our rule of law and our bill of protections and um, everything about the nature and recognition of the truth that this country was built built upon, um, the understanding and context of the pro-life argument. and, If you're listening to this, by the way, on Tuesday, I'm having uh, Penny Nance on My Real America's Voice uh, show tonight. We're going to be talking about some of these other issues. I'm really excited to have her. She's a great friend, and uh, she, of course, is with Concerned Women uh, for America, and so definitely tune into that at 6 p.m. Eastern tonight, or if you're listening to this a little bit later, you can find the replay in the playlist at americasvoice.news. You can scroll up to uh, shows and then click just the truth and you can see all of um, the, the past shows and currently in our website I will admit um, I'm not super a fan of the, the functionality there and my apologies I'm kind of trying to work with our team to make that a little more user-friendly if you're like me and you basically use your laptop or your phone for uh, word processing or internet navigation and some of those things and um, you're not quite as tech savvy for me it was a little bit difficult to kind of say oh well we're Does the show start? Where does it end? Because right now they're posted. Uh, in segments so what you have to do is uh, go down and start with um, they're always titled opening statement start there and then have uh, the playlist my show is always five segments so you can see the complete show there and um, and just like this podcast I like to uh, make the show as well more of a deep dive conversation because um, for me as a guest you know I've been doing media for years and um, and of course you know primarily for the Trump campaign um, for the for the the president uh, for President Trump and And then, you know, before that, just as a constitutional law commentator, a conservative commentator, and uh, talking about these things. And when we're talking about something as critical as understanding our U.S. Constitution, our rights, um, and how they're best protected, and having some of these debates, um, understanding the truth about election integrity, for example, it's really difficult to get a whole argument or something that's actually meaningful in like a two-minute segment. And But that's what, you know, kind of the popcorn nature of our news uh, is now these days, is that kind of the more clash you can have, um, the better if you have viral moments and this and that. But um, but I know that you guys who are listening to uh, this podcast want to have the deeper conversations, want to talk about things more substantively than just you know a minute or two on a cable news network. Um, so I wanted to really format my show in that way as well to give you more of a deep dive uh, with a guest, um, with somebody who um, you know, Penny Nance obviously is well-known. I've had a few other, uh, well-known guests, but also some voices that you probably haven't heard from, um, on any other networks and people who, um, you know, maybe haven't, uh, they're not representing a specific organization that, um, you know, pays for TV media or pays for a booker, um, but that they really have an expertise and, um, and a message and a conversation point, uh, that you really need to hear. So I'm excited about all of the people that I have on, um, I'm mean, going to have guests. Obviously, I've had a few on this podcast as well. Um, but these are all going to be people that um, I really think the conversation is important and not just uh, their viewpoint on it, but their expertise. Um, so I'm really excited about having Penny Nance. Um, I'm going to have a few other uh, really substantive guests uh, this week, and of course, moving forward. And uh, if there's somebody that you really want to see on the show or you um, think would be a really great guest, uh, reach out to me. Our email is just the truth at America's Voice News. Um, you can always ask a question as well um, that we do uh, in the public square segment. That's not every night. It just kind of depends on uh, how the show format is for the day. Um, But I really enjoy uh, taking your questions, seeing what things you want to discuss, you want to learn about, you want to understand and know from the Constitution, from the rule of law, from political topics to the biblical worldview. I mean, all of this is so important uh, for us to discuss. And, And while we're on that, by the way, I'm loving a lot of you are writing in saying that you're using uh, these podcasts and uh, some of the opening monologues and other things from my um, America's Voice show uh, in homeschooling. Uh, Because I had Mike Donnelly, my really good friend uh, who is the senior counsel at uh, the Homeschool Legal Defense Association. I had him on uh, the show last Friday. Yeah, last Friday. And uh, we were talking all about homeschooling. Um, I was homeschooled K-12 through and Um, I just so enjoyed that experience and I talked with him throughout the show about, um, not just my own experience, but how, um, through the pandemic, I mean, uh, there were basically every parent in a family unit had to try it out at least for a few months and so many people, um, are seeing the benefits of homeschooling, um, you know, so people like that. I think it's really important to hear um, about parental rights in the context of the Constitution. Um, the first segment that we had, we talked all about that, um, and that's important for parents, regardless of school choice. I mean, I don't think um, homeschooling's for everyone. That's it's a parental right to be able to select. Uh, the schooling that you uh, decide is best for your child, for your family. Um, and that's what we talked about is that um, there is a presumption. Again, remember in the context of the Second Amendment debate, um, this is also true for any fundamental right that there is a presumption that the individual exercise that. Um, according to our rule of law and according to free exercise, right? And so there's a presumption of fitness. We have that in the same way for parents in America. We are presumptively fit. Um, and so and I say we, I don't have children yet, but, um, but we in the context of, um, of adults who have children, um, there is a presumption that parents are responsible for the welfare and upbringing of their children, and they get to guide and control that. Um, and that's something that our government is obligated to preserve and protect. And so, in the context of homeschooling, I think it's really critical for parents to understand that. So, um, so that's just one example of you know some really great people that I'm um, so privileged to have on the program, have on the show. Uh, tomorrow, by the way, don't miss um, my really good friend Matt Tinch. Um, you won't know that name, but you're about to, because uh, he is a friend of mine who actually went to law school with me, um, and so I've known him for over a decade. And he is a very sincere Christian. Um, he and his wife are um, some very dear friends of mine. They were um, throughout the whole election integrity effort, which was. Um, Just a uh, really interesting time period for me personally to um, experience going through that, to advocate for the Constitution on a whole other level. Um, And for President Trump, um, Matt and his wife, Janelle, um, were two really good friends that prayed for me consistently, checked in all the time, um, are just are really, really. Uh, great friends. And um, I'm going to have him on the podcast tomorrow to talk about um, another really important question about the historicity of the Bible and the truth of the gospel. And um, he's someone that is um, really, really amazingly articulate at explaining a lot of these things in the truth um, about the reliability of scripture. And so if you um, have had questions about that, you have friends that have had questions, um, that's a really important topic to get to the truth. So, um, so in the last you know few minutes that we have here together today, uh, with the whole pro-life debate, which, of course, is uh, premised on the foundation for conservatives, understanding that our government is obligated to protect life. Um, and that's one of the fundamental rights that all of us have. And that's true across the board, regardless of uh, where we are in the stage of our physical development. Um, whether that is right after conception or that's um, at the end of natural life, and so the government has an obligation, and of course has a um, sincere interest in uh, and a legitimate interest in protecting life. And so, when we're talking about um, the the pro life issue, I think it's really amazing how liberals just totally miss the inconsistency of their argument about things like the gun control debate because they are so rightly outraged about the evil that is foisted on um, the the victims of these types of tragedies, uh, like the shooting in Colorado. But they don't translate that same ethic and they don't apply it consistently across the board um, because somehow they have bought into this false understanding that there's a difference between a physical human being and personhood. So they've decoupled this idea that just because you are a, a physical human being you don't have implicit guaranteed protections of for example a right to life unless you've also reached to the stage of development or haven't receded from a stage of development like a vegetative state or um, you know some of those things that those all of those ethical debates um, or completed life bills um, that then mean that you no longer have the cognitive status of quote-unquote person well if you decouple that, not only is that not recognizing the truth of reality that every human being has inherent dignity and worth by virtue of being created in the image of God, that's the fundamental truth of uh, the world and of reality, um, and that is articulated well in uh, the truth of, of the Bible, Um, But we can just see that looking at the truth of reality. We can see like we've talked about um, how human beings are different from the animal kingdom. We aren't just a different type of mammal. Uh, We have the Imago Dei. We are the only um, living being that is created in God's image. And we know that, we just, uh, some of us, like the liberal leftists, don't want to acknowledge that when it suits our purposes. And that's one of those things in the pro-life debate that people uh, will tend to argue is that then they'll try to do these mental gymnastics to say, well, if we recognize that human beings have inherent dignity and worth, obviously the science shows that that fertilized embryo is never going to be anything else but a human being, right? And it may just be at a different stage of development, but it's still a human being. You never have a pregnant female human that says, oh, I wonder what I'm gonna have. Maybe I'm gonna have a dog or a dolphin or an eggplant, right? That that doesn't happen. You always know that birth is according to your own kind. And, um, and so when we look at the truth of that, the only way that the liberal leftists can try to morph this argument um, into saying, well, no, um, an unborn child doesn't deserve the sanctity of life. And notice that phrase, deserve, has a, an implicit value judgment that's based on their subjective determination rather than objective truth. When they say, no, they don't deserve the protections simply because they haven't been born yet, they have to do these mental gymnastics that uh, decouple the intrinsic uh, personhood from the human being. And so when they can convince um, young people, when they can convince uh, you that um, that it's just a fetus, it's just a human being, but it's not alive yet, or it's not um, reached a stage of development where it deserves protection any of those arguments, if you make a subjective scale based on some kind of determination other than the moment of conception to the end of natural life, then that is a sliding scale that can always change. Because what's to say, okay, if we're Um, if we're saying up until the moment of birth, we'll look at some of the leftists that are now advocating for literal infanticide where they're saying, well, after a few minutes of birth, then the mother can decide whether or not she wants the child. And now want, that's an insane subjective determination that's based on the whim of the parent. Well, isn't that the same kind of determination ethically, morally, and truthfully? If the mother gets to determine for a separate human being, Whether or not to keep that person alive, that human being alive or not, that is the same subjective determination that the Colorado shooter made yesterday. His victims were just at a further stage of development. That's the kind of moral atrocity that abortion is. But you will never hear these gun control advocate leftists have that logical consistency to rationally say, can any person choose death for another human being, regardless of whether they're unborn, whether they're elderly or any other stage of development. Why is this defiant dad guy, why Why are all of these abortion advocates, Planned Parenthood, all of them, why are they not just as morally outraged at the tools of abortion and trying to have you know forceps control and all of these other things for unborn babies, human beings, as they are for gun control. Why? Well, because it doesn't fit their narrative. It doesn't fit their worldview. Because their worldview is entirely subjective. And so it's not that they... I don't, I'm not saying that they don't care about the victims um, in the Colorado shootings. I do believe that they are genuinely morally outraged because they understand the heinousness of that crime. Their solution just isn't constitutional, and it's predicated on a lot of false presumptions like we've talked about in this collective guilt sort of narrative, but it fits their false view of reality to pretend and buy into the lie and ignore the truth of biology and science to say that... Uh, the exact same atrocity is not happening with abortion because it is. And the science shows that. The ethical standards show that. The truth of morality and the universe to which God presented us shows that, fundamentally, that abortion is murder. And if you take the logical conclusion, and if you've never thought about that, about saying you know, that the, that the mother, when she's looking at the baby who's just minutes born— And if she can say, no, I don't want the child and it's legal to to destroy that human life and to murder that child, how is that ethically, morally any different than minutes before birth, okay? And then you start drawing back that timeline and saying, okay, then how come it's okay in the last trimester? Well, how come it's okay in the second or in the first, right? And you can never get to a point on any scale that it becomes morally acceptable unless you buy into a fiction and a lie that's actually anti-science that goes against the truth of reality, that goes against all fundamental concepts of moral ethics. And you have this fiction, this moral fiction that you're willing to buy into to say, well, it's just a fetus. It, it, it doesn't deserve protection. And- um, if you if you want to see some of the just real quick arguments, um there's a great Not the Bee article and um and I need to pull this up here, I'm just now thinking of it. Um Not the Bee. Else. We'll see if this search result pops up here. Oh yeah, it was. Hey, it was the first one that I searched. That's awesome um, because this article is, is that good. So my friend Adam Ford, who runs uh, Not the Bee, he's fantastic. He started the Babylon Bee, by the way, before Seth Dillon uh, became the CEO. They're they're just really really great guys. And um, so this article is on Not the Bee, uh, which is the actual news site. And the headline is, here's Jenna Ellis schooling a horde of angry abortion supporters on Twitter. And what had happened is that I responded to, and this was before the 2020 election, um, I had responded to a tweet from Joe Biden's account. Note, not a tweet from Joe Biden, a tweet from his account uh, that uh, that had said, let's see, let me go through this, where Joe Biden's account had tweeted, I believe in science. Donald Trump doesn't. It's that simple, folks. And I responded simply and said, science says that unborn children are living human beings. I didn't even address personhood, right? I didn't even address the whole decoupling argument. That was all I said. You cannot imagine the responses I got to this by the angry leftists who by the end of this, it was so disturbing to me. People were literally comparing unborn human babies as being worth less than pigs and cows and flies. I mean, I'm not kidding. This is how bad of a lie these liberal leftists have bought into to think that the value of an unborn child is worth less than flies. I mean, that's where, that's the kind of mindset that we are up against, and that's why it's so important to continue to speak truth, and not just to say I'm pro-life. I, you know, I believe that we need to preserve the sanctity of human life. I mean, those those are great things, but that's not going to win the argument because people will just say, "Well, that's your truth, not mine. Um, I don't believe that." Or, you know, good for you, but who are you to force your morality on me? And we have to have rational, consistent arguments, but we also need to be able to point out, like this defiant dad guy. Um, what's the rational inconsistency of their arguments, and and that's even I think more important um, in some ways and in some circumstances than telling the truth is to point out the falsity of their premise. And when they recognize that they're inconsistent, if you have that line of questioning and if you can actually talk to a leftist or whether, you know, if you do this on Twitter, um, you can go down and read all the things that I uh, posted to some of these people. And the only purpose that I did, it I didn't think I was going to reach the individual tweeters, maybe, um, but really for the purpose of showing Um, anyone who is watching, anyone else in the Twitter room, um, here's the logical inconsistency of all of these leftist arguments. And if we can show that, then at least then they become agnostic, right? They're like, oh, well then maybe I don't know. And then they're willing to search for truth. And then at that point, we will more effectively speak truth. Um, So that's where also we can get into the constitutional arguments and we need to have a rational faith, rational uh, conservatism, rational principles. We need to have consistent arguments. And um, that's really the point of this podcast, right? Is so that we can discuss all of these things and take uh, current events of the day and analyze them, always coming back to our foundation of the truth that is centered on the truth of the reality to which God presents us, the truth of the Bible, the truth of uh, what our Constitution is actually designed for, Um, and the truth of a legitimate form of government and just always always coming back to uh, those principles and we need to be better uh, more effective advocates for our rule of law and um, chief among those rules by the way is the rule of morality of objective moral truth and as we continue to be in a post-truth society we have to continue all the time to push back and say, no, 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 this is not subjective. It's not my truth versus your truth. This is the truth. It's objective. And we need to be able to have answers. We need to be able to explain why. So um, continue to send me your questions. Um, If there's a current event you you know would really like for me to address on the podcast love to hear from all of you again um, the email is just the truth at americasvoice.news tune in every uh, weekday at 6 p.m eastern on uh, americasvoice.news download the app any of our channels pluto tv all of the others uh, dish roku apple tv there's a bunch um, go to americasvoice.news to see all of our channels and here on Just the Truth podcast, um, it's a lot of fun for me to be able to have these conversations with you and uh, be able to talk about these things because um, we, we just aren't doing this anymore. I mean, even in the church, much less in the media. And um, I see a real hunger from... Um, really, really genuine, solid people out there. I mean, you know, the 74 million Americans or more that voted for President Trump who care about our country, care about its direction. And my hope is to be able to uh, help um, equip you with uh, better, more conservative focused arguments so that we can all together continue speaking truth. So I'll be back with you tomorrow. This has been Just the Truth Podcast. I'm Jenna Ellis. See you soon.